Blue foul. We'll take a shot downfield. And it is held in by Bryce Bulba. What a one-handed catch. Remember that for your highlight show tonight. Brucott to the corner for Carrington. Intercepted. Colorado got it. Witherspoon. With the biggest play in Colorado football for years. This could be a pass. Bryce Bobo down the field for Colorado. Some trickery, Philip Lindsay. Lindsay touchdown buffs. Sun Devils one and three. Here comes pressure in the face of Wilkins. He got hit. He got sacked at the 20-yard line, and that one's an old doubter for Jimmy Gilbert. Burns pumps over the middle of the field, intended for Owusu, and that is picked off. Tedrick Thompson comes up with the interception. Thompson, still on his feet, gets a great block. Welcome into a new Buff Stampede radio. Adam Munster, Tiger Publisher, BuffStampede.com. Here with Tyler Ziskin, fan correspondent. Colorado in sole possession of first place in the Pac-12 South Division. Just let that sink in for a minute. It's pretty unbelievable. Hard to imagine that it that it could really work itself out that quickly, but uh, definitely in the driver's seat to finish the title if we do what we need to do. Obviously, when you watched Washington pull out that game in Salt Lake City, you knew Colorado had a half-game lead in the division, but just to wake up Sunday and see the Pac-12 standings and see that Ralphie logo first in the South, it was just like, I just kind of looked at it for a minute, I was like, just not not used to seeing this. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty good uh, sports year for me. After 29 years of total misery, so I'm not really sure I know how to handle it quite yet, but I'll figure it out at some point, I'm sure. we got some topics to get into, and then I've got an interview with Akella Witherspoon, Buff Stampede, Mailbag, Tyler's Pac-12 Power Rankings. Let's get into it, Tyler. Uh, you know, you think back to the last decade, and really the only good thing about all those bad times is I really do think... It helps you appreciate what's happening right now much more than you otherwise would. This is a, a special time to be a Colorado fan. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, you are happy to go through all those situations when you get to celebrate after them, you know. Uh, but it's a lot of years of misery. I'd prefer to not have to go through that again. Uh, yeah. I've been doing it enough as a Cleveland fan as well. So this the stretch that we're on right now is pretty unbelievable. Uh, you know, you just got to hope it continues. You don't want it to be just a flash in the pan. This is our first podcast since Colorado's win at Stanford. Uh, obviously a 10-5, really a 10-3 victory in that football game. I, I think a part of what got lost is that Stanford's defense got healthy, and that was a yeah. different defense than what Washington and Washington State had faced when they piled up a lot of points against them. To limit Christian McCaffrey to 92 rushing yards, I mean, that kid had to work for every inch of those mm -hmm. 92 yards. Uh, I know there's a lot of frustration with the place kicking, the red zone uh, play calling at times, again, kind of reverted back to some of the, the, the ways that have frustrated Colorado fans here in, in recent years. But by and large, when it, a game on the road, even if it's not a, a tough environment at Stanford Stadium, there was probably CU fans were just as loud as the Cardinal fans were. But I definitely looked at, looked at that as a glass-half-full type of win for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, you won at Stanford. <laughs> I mean... Chances of there's, that there's are some complaining high. going on though about oh for sure 10 points. yeah for sure I mean it's it's warranted um, to some degree but at the same time in years past we were complaining about how we blew the game the fact that we get to complain about oh we could have blown them out 
it, that's the sign of a good football team. I mean, this defense will keep you in every single game that we play if they show up. Uh, and we did enough to win. And that's what we, we can't say that about teams in the past. So, I mean, yes, it was frustrating. Yes, it could have been 20, 25 points. But we got the job done, and that's what matters. Just to see Colorado dominating the trenches against Stanford was, was pretty incredible. Yeah. Davis Price still battling mono. We're going to talk about this on our video preview as well. It's At what point do you go completely away from kicking field goals and just go for on fourth down and, and go with that mindset on drives? However long ago we started playing Chris Graham, I guess. I mean, it's just at this point they're unreliable. Can't do it. you got to go for it on fourth down. Your play calling has to reflect that. Um, with the offense that we have, it's really hard. You'd be hard-pressed to convince me that we can't get a first down on four plays more often than not. So just keep that in mind going in and punch in touchdowns. After Alex Kinney missed his field goal attempt, the, when the Pac-12 Network came back on the TV broadcast, I don't know if you caught this, Tyler, they had caught uh, Chris Graham handing Alex Kinney money and he had a big smile on his face. And Mike McIntyre, of course, had to uh, figure out what was going on there. And apparently they just found money on the field, and that was Chris Graham handing it to Kinney. Are you buying that story? No. Not at all. I don't, I don't like that story at all. <laughs> and I guess I'll just leave it at that. Like, just watch. I didn't see it. And when people were talking about it, I thought they were just joking. Um, to find out that it was real it pisses me off. Like, if I, if I was Mac, that would have been handled differently, for sure. Well, we don't know what he did behind the scenes. Yeah. Part of me was thinking, okay, maybe there was a bet taking place, but then in that scenario with Chris Graham handing Alex Kinney money after he missed a field goal, that would mean that Alex Kinney bet against himself. Yeah. If that I, theoretically happened, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's, there's not really a scenario in which that would be acceptable to me, especially on the field of play. Yeah. I, I had my binoculars out when Alex Kinney started warming up by the net, and there wasn't a whole lot of confidence in his body language uh, leading up to that field goal attempt. He's a good he's a good punter if they give him time and he's in the right mindset. But he certainly is. He doesn't. He, I remember when Alex Kinney was a recruit. I asked him, "Are you going in there to battle for the, you know, the place kicking job as well?" And he's like, "Ah, you know, whatever the coaches want." <laughs> it didn't really seem like that was even a desire of his to even be a place kicker. I think he likes his niche being a, being a punter. Uh, whoever, however it works out, I mean, I think I think it's time to stop kicking field goals for the sanity of our fan base and me, specifically. Can they stop kicking extra points too? Is that a possibility? Probably Just go not. for a two. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I guess maybe if you miss a couple, but I would think for the most part we'll be kicking extra one, extra all right, points. All right. Were you surprised at all that the Buffs were only a nine point uh, in yeah. terms of opened up as a nine point favorite, considering that, that Josh Rosen is doubtful for Thursday's game? Uh, I don't know if I was surprised necessarily, but I'll take full advantage of it. <laughs> um, I think it's know, moved a little bit, right? Yeah, it's up then? to 12 last I saw, which is a little bit more reasonable, I think. But, you know, Vegas, the thing about Vegas is they want people to bet on both sides. If you, the number gets too huge, you're just, you know, you're losing all of your leverage on one side of the spread. So I understand what they're trying to do. Uh, but at the same time, you would think they'd want to put a loss on our against the spread column. Otherwise, people are going to start riding that as well. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I think more more people will say we'd win by more than nine. Yeah. For sure. I mean, there is the point to make on UCLA side, the fact that even though they've lost five games this year, none of them have been uh, by double digits. So I guess it shouldn't be too shocking. 
are these Bruins legitimately bad, or could they do some damage in this spoiler role that they're going to have down the stretch in the Pac-12 South? Uh, they're legitimately bad. I've, I've given them credit enough throughout the years and looked bad for it. Um, so to me, I don't know if maybe legitimately bad is the right way to put it. They definitely have some talent, but I'd be surprised if they make a bowl game at this point. I, I would be very surprised if they finish the year winning four straight. So to me, they're definitely a mediocre football team right now that's underachieved. Colorado's secondary ranks first in, in the Pac-12 in terms of pass defense efficiency. And uh, I had a chance to catch up with one of the stars of that group, Akello Witherspoon. Here's that interview. Akello, this defense seems to have a confidence that we haven't seen around here in a long time. What, what do you attribute that to? Uh, I think it's just experience, really. Uh, we've been out there making plays uh, for years now, working to get better. And I think we've all just kind of culminated together this year and uh, we're just playing well and that allows you to be more confident too. Was there a kind of a breakthrough moment for, for this defense in, in the past offseason where you had an idea you could accomplish some things this year? Uh, I think it was when we looked at how we did last year once we all rounded up last year's season and saw the improvement that we made from two years ago uh, to last year kind of like kind of gave us a, just a little surface of how good we can actually be and uh, we took that as and going into the offseason, let's see where we can take that next step, which is what we've done again. I'm, I'm speaking like improving like in the nation. And uh, we took a big jump last year, and we just want to do the same thing. What about you specifically? What's helped you take this next step? Obviously, you're playing with a lot of consistency out there. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's just confidence and consistency, like you said. Um, confidence comes from experience. And I uh, just go out there, and I focus on my technique, uh, what my coaches have taught me and I really just apply it. There's no fear out there, and that's the way to play. You grew a lot in a short period of time. I, I think I remember when you came in, you said you were still kind of getting used to being a lanky guy. Was there a, a moment when you were comfortable in kind of your, your, new, your new frame? Uh, it happened over this summer. Uh, I was doing some workouts with some guys, and uh, they were focusing on some of my weaknesses, which is kind of, uh, like kind of some of the skills that smaller guys would have. And uh, once I added those to my tool bag, that's when I felt like, okay, now I'm a complete player. I have length, size, athleticism, but I also have those tangible skills that other guys also have to be successful in this league. So that's when I think it happened. How many pa uh, passes have been completed against you this year? It doesn't seem like there's been many. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm counting because I definitely am, <laughs> but I, I would attribute five to my name, five completions okay. on me. Uh, they, they put a screen on me for the touchdown against Michigan. That, that technically counts, but okay. it was behind the line of scrimmage. I wasn't even there. So that's, I would say five, um, maybe six if you look. I, I believe that's, that's the case, though. Past breakups, leading the Pac-12 in that category. Yeah. If you kept that going, would that be a fun goal to accomplish? Yeah, definitely. Uh, anytime you see your name up there, it's encouraging more than anything. Um, I saw it about two weeks ago, and I said, man, I just want to end up on top. I don't want to just stop here and just have a oh, 13 or whatever through eight weeks. I want to keep going, get to 20, 20 plus. So that's the goal. If a defense has just one cover corner, obviously they're going to shy away from him. They can't do this with this defense. How much does it help you? How much do you guys help each other in, in that sense? Uh, I think we help each other a lot. Uh, it forces us to stay on edge. Uh, with one cover corner, sometimes a guy can fall asleep. But me and Cheeto, we go out there every single down knowing that we're an option to be thrown at. And uh, I respect teams that do that because may the best man win, as they have won a few times as well. And uh, we just go out there and really work for each other and pay for one another. 
does this bye week come at a good time or having all this positive momentum would you have preferred just to keep playing? No, it was perfect. Uh, I can't explain how perfect it was. Uh, just kind of falling back from football, relaxing, getting your mind straight, and then getting prepared to go on a four-game tear. I see a four-game season ahead of us. None of you guys are talking about bowl eligibility. It's, it's kind of following in line with, with Coach McIntyre's goal about winning a Pac-12 championship. When do you think everybody believed in his goal for, for this team? Uh, I'm, for me, I believed it when we were saying it uh, at day one for CSU when we came into fall camp, stuff like that. Uh, I, some others may not have believed it, but I think that Oregon win kind of brought them on board. But I was saying, even with my father coming into the season, if we can win a Pac-12 championship just because of how open, how open this league is right now. And uh, I think really people hopped on board after Oregon. Obviously, Josh Rosen has been banged up for UCLA. What, what do you see from those guys when you look on film? It looks like they're uh, throwing the ball a little bit more now. Yeah, throwing the ball a lot, uh, very athletic outside, uh, a lot of timing routes. Uh, so we plan on just taking the air out of things as we do. It's not really a different scheme, just uh, play tight coverage. Uh, be strong and stout up front and see what happens. It was a good environment in there for the Arizona State game. What do you think it's going to be like Thursday night national TV against UCLA? Yeah, it should be electric. Uh, I hope they come out and uh, sell out the stadium. It should be fun, man. I enjoy playing in front of, in front of our fans. Thanks, Akello. Yeah, appreciate you. Well, Tyler, you heard in that interview there, Akello say he's only given up five completions this season. I, w I can't even recall five completions being going against him. I've, there's been a few moments where he's it hasn't done a great job in run support, but in terms of coverage, he's been unbelievable this season. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember a play. He's given up a few passes for sure, but most of them he was right on the guy. I mean, just made a nice play. He's got to be one of the most successful coverage corners in the country statistically this year. Um, he's just all over the place. It's been unbelievable to watch him. Uh, the, the improvement that he's shown since he got here as a sophomore is unbelievable. You have questions and we have answers. Well, at least these guys think they do. It's time to dive into the Buff Stampede Radio Mailbag, which is presented by the Blake Street Tavern. Located one block north of Coors Field, the Blake Street Tavern has been Denver's premier sports bar since its opening in 2003. The Blake Street Tavern, where the game is always on, the drinks are always full, and the fun never stops. We've got quite a question here, Tyler, and it's kind of almost, uh, it reads like a, an email slash novel here, but... <laughs> I want to get this into our show because uh, DC Buff took the time out to write this. He said, Hi, Adam and Tyler. You may have seen a recent article in the USA Today comparing salaries of head coaches in college football. Now that CU has finally found some success, serious Buff fans need to start thinking about sustaining it. Continued success in college football comes down to money, and that is what concerns me. According to the article, Coach Mack ranks as lowest paid Pac-12 coach and one of the lowest among all Power 5 conferences. If we win eight, nine, ten games this year, we shouldn't only be thinking extension, but also a raise. You look at the offensive coordinator position, and it appears we have an unattainable situation with Lindgren and Cheverini sharing the job. Coach Cheverini is just too good a recruiter and coach to not want more money and perhaps even the OC job to himself. Then there's Levitt. I know you have said that results on the field next year will be a better indicator of Levitt's impact to Colorado. But if I'm Levitt and I'm aspiring to be a head coach again, or maybe a really enticing offer for D.C., wouldn't it make more sense to leave after this year when your stock is high and staying means you risk coaching a younger and possibly less successful defense next year? Bottom line, CU is going to have to pony up some real cash to keep these guys around, and I'm not sure if they can or are willing to do it. What's your take? Can we afford these coaches, 
or someone else their pedigree for the long haul. Does CU have the money to sustain success in today's game? Thanks and love the podcast. Best and most substantive CU analysis out there by far. Well, thanks for the compliment there. There's quite a bit to, to dive into here. I think, uh, Tyler, you start out by saying that this is the, the good problem to have. I mean, yeah. was it three months ago we are talking about whether this coaching staff is going to be around? Now you're worried about keeping them. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the better of the two, of two sides of the coin. Um, yes, I think we can afford to pay most of these guys. The thing that will be interesting to watch with Chevrolet is that as, as a true coordinator, most people don't recruit out of that role, especially as much. There's just a lot more responsibility. So I'm not necessarily sure that's exactly what he would want to do. Um, I, I mean, I know he wants the promotion, but he also loves the recruiting aspect. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But at the end of the day, I think you have to absolutely pay whatever he wants to keep him around. He, he's the number one reason where uh, the recruiting class is standing where it is right now. I mean, he's just a total rock star in that environment. Yeah. Well, let's start out with Coach McIntyre first. Rick George, you're having to find this fine line between not going overboard, not doing what, and and I don't think that you with McIntyre you would be doing anything with, like Bone did with Hawkins, but you definitely don't want to overextend yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to make McIntyre feel like he's well compensated because there are going to be some other people, a lot of coaching changes that are going to open up in the next couple months, and there's going to be inquiries about him. What he did at Colorado is taking people are taking notice of that, so. Certainly he needs uh, an extension, a raise. How much of it is is in- incentive-based mm-hmm. raise and how much of it is just a base salary raise is going to be maybe a little bit challenging for Rick George to find that perfect perfect mix. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, based on what he's done this year, you can't, he can't be the least paid coach in the Pac-12, especially in the Power 5 conferences overall. Um, so you have to find that amount, whatever that is, that puts him more in the middle middle road. doesn't have to be crazy. He's not Jim Harbaugh. He's not going to get paid like Jim Harbaugh. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think there has to be some, probably some high-end uh, incentives laced into the contract as well. You know, pay him handsomely for making bowl games, Rose Bowl, conference championship, that type of stuff, because it is so rare in the last decade or two from Colorado, so. I mean, he's got to get paid uh, as, as much as humanly possible for that, I think. I, I believe he's got two more years on his contract. Are we thinking a two- or three-year extension would be the most likely scenario? Probably, yeah. I mean, you would like to see once that we have more sustained success that they kind of do it the same way they have with Tad Boyle. Basically, he gets an extension every single year. Uh, I think you could see something similar to that if you see sustained success in the program for two to three years. You talked a little bit about Chevron. It's certainly going to be tough to keep both those guys in a co-offensive coordinator role they they get along that's not the issue mm-hmm. there but these you've got to move up the ladder when you get that opportunity yeah. as a coach and when you have success you, you get that opportunity and you take it right i will say uh, we've said it before on this podcast chevrini is a rock star pure and simple lindgren maybe is a little undervalued by this fan base i think he brings more to the table because he's not He's not as charismatic. He's not out in front of the camera. Yeah. He, his stuff is more behind the scenes. But, yeah, he hasn't necessarily been the – clearly has not been the dynamic recruiter that Cheverini's been. But he definitely brings a lot to the table. And if he left Boulder, uh, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying you're going to regret it because at some point you're going to have to figure out between those two guys who's going to be here for the long haul. But you're going to miss some things if Lindgren did theoretically get hired away. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I think the development of our quarterbacks is really all you need to look at in terms of what he does behind the scenes. Most people are not really happy with Montez in the spring. Even Kate Apsay last year, when we saw him in the fall, was awful. Yeah. And he came into the game and wasn't great by any means, but certainly a lot better than we expected. Um, so he's developing these quarterbacks at a great clip. Uh, he's an important piece of what we do as well, for sure. And then in terms of Levitt, I do think he makes a good point here. If, if Levitt is going to leave for a head coaching opportunity, and he has that opportunity, this would probably be the offseason to do it. Yeah, I mean, and listen, if you get a head coaching job, you're going to leave, no matter where you're coaching. Even McIntyre has been yeah. said, hey, he deserves it. He's yeah, not. absolutely. I mean, but I think we have coaches that can replace him. I think we're at a point that we're now a desirable place to go. I'm not necessarily going to be able to replace him one for one, but a lot of people would have said the same thing about Coach Walters. A lot of people were sad to see him leave. Well, that worked out pretty nice for us. So you, you never know who you're going to get. Um, I think it would yeah, be a different scenario, a honestly. Loss. I think I think they would honestly promote Joe Tumpkin to yeah, that role. I would, I would think so as well. Uh, he, serves, he seems to certainly have the pedigree to be able to do it. That would be a tough spot to move into, though, if you're Joe Tumpkin, knowing how much you're losing defensively. People are going to point the finger at him next year because they're not going to be as good defensively. I'm not saying we are yeah. or the people listening to this podcast, but you have the casual Colorado fan. You know, I go on these local radio shows for interviews, and, and some of the questions they throw at me, they clearly don't know a lot of what's going on at CU. And that's going to be the, the first question those people ask a year from now if Colorado's defense takes a step back, which it will. And, yeah. you know, theoretically, if Tumpkin was at D.C., it would be kind of a tough spot to be in. It would be. I think I – think we would all be pretty unanimous in what the answer to that question would be, though. And usually if everyone is telling you the same thing, people start to calm down about it. Uh, I mean, we're losing eight guys on our defense. It's definitely going to be a step back. Uh, so I, I think, it, you know, it might be one of those things that, oh, you blame them early. But if everyone is telling you, listen, we lost eight guys, we were bound to take a step back. It has nothing to do with Tumpkin. I think that will quiet down pretty quick. And he also mentions the possibility of Levitt maybe leaving for an enticing D.C. offer. I can flat out say that's not going to happen because Levitt had that opportunity last year and he turned it down. And now all of a sudden Colorado is an enticing place to be a mm -hmm. defense. Well, not necessarily with the personnel for next year, but in terms of he's going to have plenty of job security and I think he, he loves Boulder. I think he relishes that role too, though. I mean, that's why I came in the first place. I mean, people are going to be – telling him that, oh, we're going to take a step back. Well, I think he loves to be placed in that position to say, eh, we'll see, you know, and see, we'll see what he comes up with. I think he, lo he loves to be put in that little, that little space that says, oh, we have to work hard to be talented back here yet again. All right. I think that we kind of answered that. I mean, he does mention something about how he's going to have to pony up some money and that being an issue, whether or not they can do that. Uh, Rick George has certainly made the moves necessary to put this – programmed where it needs to be and I think you have to have at least I don't know if blind faith but close to blind faith in Rick George at this point don't you yeah I would, I would hope so I and mean, if you don't at this point I don't know what else you want him to do I think more butts and seats too you know there, there's going to be more money around the program this year we're not selling out games yet but it's certainly a huge improvement over what we've done in years past CT Buff asked, other than special teams, where does CU need to get better going into the last four games? I had just one here, Tyler. It was red zone offense. Buffs are still in the top half of the conference in red zone offense. They've scored, actually, believe it or not, 86.8% of their trips inside the opponent's 20 this season. But, of course, in the Stanford game, they only scored one touchdown and four trips inside the red zone. And then 
they failed to score on three trips inside the red zone against Arizona State. So you're starting to kind of see that was an issue for them last year. And it's kind of rearing its ugly head again, and certainly the place-kicking situation has not helped there. Yeah, I guess I will just say overall consistency on offense. Um, we haven't had much of an issue with that, but having one of the receivers be able to show up every single game would be nice. I mean, we, we've had the luxury of having three guys who are good, and somebody always shows up. But just having a little more reliability there on third down, uh, more of a go-to receiver, that's always something that, gives you a little more confidence but so far it's worked I mean it's how you'd be totally nitpicking at this point to say what else we need to improve on for me call me coach B asked which guys on the current roster project best for the NFL my vote is Tupo but I'm interested to hear your opinions also what scares you most with the end of the schedule for me it's Joe Williams and Utah's ground game I'll let you lead off here Tyler you're our NFL draft guy <laughs> I don't know about that <laughs> uh, Cheeto is the obvious answer obviously a guy that I'd be very surprised isn't gone by at least day two. Tupo is a good answer as well. I think he's really proven to be a formidable uh, nose tackle, D tackle, whatever system you want to play him in. He's been a beast this year. Outside of that, I think you're, there's a lot of question marks in terms of NFL potential. A lot of undersized guys in our defense, which the NFL doesn't really love. I think Tedrick Thompson des deserves to get drafted. I had my list one Cheeto, number two Tupo. Number three, Tedrick Thompson. I again, I don't. You, you were talking about how on your free ball and pod you talked about CBS Sports and their draft rankings, and apparently they don't like anybody really on CU the way that some of us that watch this team closely do. Those three guys, in my eyes, deserve to be drafted this year. And, and to your point, Cheeto definitely a top three guy. I think, as I told you earlier off air, is I think Cheeto has more of that athleticism than that straight line speed. I think that forty yard dash at the combine is not going to turn heads, and he's probably not going to be a first-round pick because of that. But I could see, I definitely think he's a second- or third-round guy. If Tupo's not drafted somewhere, somebody's not doing their homework, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, that'd be pretty crazy at this point. If he's not an NFL caliber big big guy stuffing the inside, I don't know who is. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tedrick, again, with the 40 time, yeah. might, might see some issues there. He's also not really undersized necessarily, but a little bit to some degree. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how his workouts go. But the other problem with safety is they just aren't that many guys drafted every single year. It's kind of an undervalued position in the NFL. A lot of people, especially like people outside linebackers in college, get moved there all the time. So it's a little bit of a tougher space to get drafted. He's going to probably have to be in the top ten or twelve safeties. He's on he's on the cusp uh, for sure. I mean, I think Akella Witherspoon in workouts will impress some people. He's really rangy. The NFL loves that now. I know you've said before that he's undersized and will get beat up in the NFL, and that's probably true. But Just in run support because it yeah. happens at the Pac-12 yeah, level. but I just feel like there, there are so many of those type of players in the NFL now that somebody will take a shot at Okay. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I think Jimmy Gilbert has had a huge senior season, but at the end of the day, he does not have an NFL frame. Um, it's fair to say Samson Kafavalu will have an outside chance. So Jordan Carroll, I think, probably has the better chance there. Uh, bigger frame, but tackling issues. We'll see how that works out. And offensively, Alex Kelly is actually, on a position ranking basis, the highest of anybody on CBS Sports right now, 17th really? overall okay. center, which uh, won't get you drafted 17th. But uh, we'll see how that works out. I think he's probably un undersized as well for that role. Again, I don't think Kenneth Olobody's going to make an NFL team, but he'll probably get that undrafted free agent chance as well. Again, kind of what you said about Gilbert, just not going to have that size to play in the NFL. What about Seth Olufau? Obviously, I don't think he's going to get drafted, but uh, does he get a chance to... Uh... I mean, if Tyler Hansen can get a chance in the NFL, 
Zepho can as well, you would think. Um, I mean, on CBS, again, he's ranked 32nd, which is so ridiculous. Tommy Armstrong is 24th. That tells you anything <laughs> you need to know about those rankings right now. So, honestly, to me, he's played as well. He deserves a serious consideration of getting drafted. I know he doesn't really have the intangibles necessarily that you look for, but he's played really well. Yeah, you and just he's got the size, so... You just you can't have days like he had in the Stanford game. In the NFL, you've got to be so much more precise yeah. as a quarterback with those throws. What about Sean Irwin as a guy that, I mean, size, again, kind of an issue there, but I mean, he's been a mean guy blocking. Yeah, year. I mean, there's definitely systems that he would fit well into, but I don't think you draft a guy like that. Someone, oh, no, I'm thinking more undrafted yeah. free agent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, someone, someone will take a shot at him, absolutely, um, in those blocking roles. I mean, there's definitely a, a spot for that in the league. It's just you're not. They're not going to use a draft pick on somebody with that skill set. I'm probably the worst person to have draft predictions, but again, I have three guys getting drafted, and then about eight guys as undrafted free agents. Which yeah, there's going to be a lot of guys on rosters in the fall. It'll be fun to watch. I mean, we had three guys make it this year undrafted, so and um, I never expected Kenneth Crawley to make an NFL team. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, even Nembot I think was a little bit of a surprise with how he played last year. Uh, they obviously. Ate, Designated him for injury, so it's a little bit of a more unique story. But who's your daddy, Buff? One of the best uh, nicknames on our board. <laughs> he wants to know the latest on Dino Gordon. There's really not a latest there. Uh, as of two weeks ago, he had the suspension lifted, so he can play football for this football team. But you've uh, you've had the coverage units as much as we've maligned the special teams. The the coverage units have been pretty solid, so yeah. there wasn't like this need to like rush Dino Gordon into one of those roles, and so they kind of had everybody in their set roles. He even got Jaleel Aweeni back uh, for the coverage unit, so you just haven't needed Dino Gordon to play football, so it's not any issue at this point. It just other guys are ahead of him. He's a redshirt freshman. He's got some time to yeah. develop. Buff Predictor asked, does the offense pick things back up where they left off against UCLA, or are they also a defensive juggernaut? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say they're a defensive juggernaut, not like Stanford when they're healthy. Uh, their secondary is pretty good, but against their run, they definitely had some issues. And as always, we're at home. I mean, we there hasn't even been close to competition in Folsom yet this year. And until someone proves to me that they can run with us in altitude, I'm not going to expect anybody to. There were brief stretches earlier this year where UCLA looked like an elite defense, had one of the better defenses in the country. It always seems like this with the Southern California schools. It comes down to a consistency factor. Mm -hmm. So, like, when those guys decide to show up, they're really, really good, but they're just not doing it on a consistent basis. So it's sometimes hard to know with UCLA and USC which team is showing up on that field when you go against them. Yeah. C. Bardeen had this question. How do you think the Buffs are handling the off week? Will they come out sharp against UCLA? Sefo seemed a little bit off against Stanford, hoping they can stay focused and play loose as the stakes increase. I hope the Buffs are handling the bye week better than me. I uh, have been a little <laughs> off my game. For some reason, I thought we were taping this on Monday, so I show up at Tyler's house, banging on the door Monday morning. He's fast asleep, worked, I think, the night shift the, the night before, right? Yeah, yeah. I, was, yeah, I got home at like 3.30. I go to check my phone, and I scroll up. Sure enough, I said, let's meet on Tuesday. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think with the veteran group, you worry less about a bye week. Definitely. I mean, we've tried to say, oh, this is a trap game, like six times this year. <laughs> and this team has certainly not, certainly not uh, fought, succumbed to any of that pressure at this point. They, they have a goal. 
they're not going to let a bye week slow that down. They, they know how this works, man. There, there's a lot of guys who have been here for a while now. So I don't think anything like that. Honestly, we played pretty poorly against Stanford, still found a way to win. Um, I would be surprised if we don't bounce back to some degree. And UCLA's in the same situation, and then they have to travel to Boulder. So I would be really surprised if this ends up being any type of negative for Colorado. And, and then it really sets you up for your last road game against Arizona, having a few more days to prepare mm-hmm. for, for that mess of a situation that's going down on in Tucson. Yeah. Well, we'll get into those Pac-12 power rankings a little later. Fifth down, Buff asked, how many more wins will it take for me to quit being a douchebag and start accepting the fact that our football team is pretty good? Well, fifth down, Buff. I that's think, up to you, buddy. <laughs> I think the time has to be now if it hasn't sunk in yet. Uh, yes. Uh, at this point, they could go 2-2, two and two, which would be disappointing, and they would still be 8-4 and four and borderline ranked to close the year, depending on who those two losses are to. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, think, I think you can take it from me as a Cleveland fan. It's safe. It's safe. You, you can have a little faith. Wyndon Buff asked, with the standings taking shape, what bowl do you think the Buffs will land? I think uh, we were talking about this worst-case scenario, probably Holiday Bowl. You'd have to have an epic collapse, and that would be a Foster's Farm Bowl. Uh, and then best-case scenario, obviously, Rose Bowl. Right. Most likely probably Alamo Bowl at this point. What's the one right below the Rose Bowl? I don't Alamo know. The, Bowl. Yeah, Alamo Bowl. That's probably the most likely for me as well. Um, the Washington State game will pretty much tell you where we're going to be, um, in my opinion, because they, they're undefeated in conference right now, are they not? 5-0? and Correct. So, I mean, if Washington eventually gets them, I'd still probably say based on – if so let's say if they were to beat us, obviously they would get – even if we were to make the Rose Bowl with, with that loss, I still think they would probably – or sorry, make the Pac-12 championship game with the one loss being Washington State. I still think they would get the nod for the Rose Bowl in my opinion. So uh, I think that one will kind of tell you a lot about where we are. But I think Alamo Bowl is probably the safest pick, which is still an unbelievable season. Rose Bowl would, of course, be the most fun, yeah. exciting to get into. Think about the Holiday Bowl and potentially playing Nebraska, how fun that would be. Yeah, um, Rose Bowl could happen potentially as well um, with that matchup. So we'll see. But, yeah, I, I, either way, it's going to be awesome. I don't care if we play New Mexico State at this point. Like Just being able to go to a bowl game is going to be a pretty fun experience. Fortunately, I think the Sun Bowl probably won't happen, which uh, none of us have to book airfare to El Paso, that armpit of the, the United States there. Yeah, my parents went there for the USC game with my brother one time. Don't think it was their favorite trip ever. <laughs> Delta Buff wants us to get into a little recruiting here. He says, out of these prospects, what do you think our odds are of signing them with 10 being a lock and one being no chance. First off, Greg Rogers. I'll start here with some bad news, Tyler. I'm going to go with the three. I'm, yeah. hearing, I'm hearing some things that uh, lead me to believe that he's not going to end up being a buff. Yeah, I think it'll come down to the fact that he's always liked USC and UCLA, and that's where his heart has always been. We gave him a run for their money, but at the end of the day, I think I would be surprised if he doesn't end up in one of those two. Three sounds good. I was going to say two. Two. It's unfortunate, too, because he was really feeling Colorado after his official visit, and that stayed with him for about a week. It was looking for about six, seven days. That Colorado was pretty comfortably in the lead, but he is one of those kids that, uh, like you said, even going back to early in the process, everybody assumed he was probably going to go to one of the L.A. schools. Alex Perry, this is tough because it's tough to know. Colorado needs one more prep corner. 
and they've yeah. got a lot of really talented guys looking at them. It's a little murkier, the waters here. I mean, who else do you think they're really going after at this moment? They've, I have to pull up, I'll put together a list, but they for their December visits, gonna they've got some guys. guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say four. Okay. Um, anything above that, I think, would be wishful thinking at this point. Again, he's been an ASU guy all around. Um, we're still looking around at other prospects there, so it's not like they're telling him that he has to commit today type of situation. Bubba Bolden seems like probably an Ohio State lean at this point. He asked next about him. Yeah, I would go th- three or so, four. You, 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 well, you kind of want to get both, I think. You're not going to get one or the other, in my opinion. So Probably not. But Bubba Bolden does have his girlfriend in Boulder, so yeah. there's, the, I wouldn't want to say punch's chance. That, that, gives, me, right. that <laughs> gives me a 1. 1.5. 1.5? Because his girlfriend is in, girlfriend is in Boulder. I think the girlfriend factor is worth at least a three. 1.5. All right. <laughs> Josh Follow. I'm going six here. Yeah. Six sounds pretty good to me. I think he secretly is just trying to convince himself that he, that he wants to go do something else than his brother's in terms of who he's playing for. But I think at the end of the day, the family factor is going to yeah. play in our favor there. And I don't really see him having a great relationship with any, any of the other coaches that he's in contention with right now. So I think there's some concern from Colorado fans of how Colorado's used the tight end this year and how why would a guy like Josh Follow, who's a tight end, come into the system? Well, Chevrini sits down with him on his visit and says, here's, here's what we do when we have a really talented pass catching tight end. And he showed him tape of Texas Tech. And I think they will utilize the tight end if they're not dropping passes. Yeah, and if they're Josh Follow. <laughs> yeah. Josh Follow. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always room for more pass catchers in this offense, no matter where they line up. Trajan Cotton. Who knows, man? I'm saving 7.5. Yeah, I was. I mean, I, I would guess high, 6, 7, somewhere in there. But, I mean, he's really hard to trust. I mean, it seems like he loves everybody, depending on who you're talking to. Like, if, he's in a, if you're a Nebraska fan, you feel really good about your chances. If you're Oregon, you feel really good about your chances. Uh, but from what we're hearing, the chances are pretty good. But I just don't know if I trust. He seems like a guy who just wants the, who just loves the attention of recruiting, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just hard to get a true read on what he what he wants to do. Brandon Peely, defensive tackle. I would be surprised. Okay. Um, USC seems pretty into him. They have a ton of success with those big Samoan type kids. Um, they always seem to find a way to get those guys in the end. I'll give him a two point five, given that it sounds like he'll visit Boulder and. You can pitch the early playing time to any D lineman in this class. Damian Daniels is the last guy he wants here. I'm going pretty optimistic here. I'll let you lead off, though. Eight. Eight, okay. Love it. We're going to beat Nebraska for a commit, and this is going to be the guy. All right. 7.5 is where I went, so I'm pretty close there. Like you alluded to there, it looks like it's going to come down to the Huskers and Buffs. And this would definitely take the sting away from Greg Rogers potentially picking one of those L.A. schools. Yeah, I mean, Greg Rogers is better probably, but... That's a pretty solid backup plan. But Daniels um, is more of a, a true nose tackle. True nose, yeah. Yeah, they were going to play a different position. Uh, Greg Rogers is just a freak athlete. I mean, like I, I feel fairly confident he's going to end up being a first-round pick someday. Um, Damian Daniels is a stud, though. And I'll take any of them Texas boys that want to come up, no problem. He also wanted to know, are we done at linebacker? We seem to have cooled on all our other targets. Thanks. Uh, yet to be determined there. They've got uh, around about 10 scholarships, 9 or 10 scholarships, and 
this is the, again kind of going back to the whole coaching salary thing. It, it's the good problem. It's figuring out who you can take to really maximize uh, the the rest of this recruiting class. Yeah, it does seem like they've cooled on a lot of linebacker guys. So there must be. I still have a feeling there's someone in the under wraps at this point that they feel good about finding a spot for later on. <clears throat> Bo Bouchret. That'd be cool. I mean, if, if he wants to do it, that'd be awesome. He's been great on special teams. So I key in on him on special teams yeah. and kickoff coverage, and he knocks bodies around. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess he's not fully opposed if he's willing to be on. That was like the worst cough, teams. like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> name drop of all time, by the way. I'm actually getting sick, so I'll just we can just pretend when we listen back to this podcast that it was you making all the sick noises. <laughs> Pikla wanted a complete update on Shamar Hamilton and the season he's having at ASA College this fall. That's on the docket for me to do. Actually, I want to do a full write-up on the site and catch up with Shamar. He started out the season really hot, and then other teams started to go, we got to block this Shamar Hamilton guy. So his stats have <laughs> taken a little bit of a, a dip here recently. But I think somebody uh, – I'm anxious to see in spring ball he'll be a, a mid-year guy. So we'll get more into that on the site here in the near future. Boner Buff asked, is Mustafa Muhammad a real possibility? He has been offered by CU and wondering if there is a shot on an official visit. There's a shot for them to get an official visit, but the Buffs were a little late to the party here. Definitely uh, worth keeping an eye on his situation, though. I just wouldn't hold my breath. Uh, it's tough when you get a recruit that has you know, the, a serious offer list and then you offer midway through their senior year. Usually you're having a hard time making up for lost ground. But yeah. there's coaching changes and stuff that go go on, obviously, in the next couple of months. So things kind of get shaken up a little bit. We'll see. NYTJ Buff fan asked, can you comment slash prognosticate on the number of players we will sign this cycle? Are there any players you think may move on, either on their own or at the behest of the coaches since they were recruited over? Finally, given the above, which positions and how many players in each of those positions are we still targeting? We kind of mentioned, you know, somewhere in the ballpark of 28, 30. Mm-hmm. They're gonna yeah, sign. we've talked about that in previous podcasts as well. That seems like a pretty safe number at this point. Uh, in terms of guys moving on, I always hate to throw names out there. I just think that's unfair to the kids. But, yes, there will be some guys who move on. There always are. Uh, I guess I would just suggest which positions are we really deep at. Usually a few of those guys end up going somewhere else. I looked at the eligibility chart from the current juniors all the way through the guys that are redshirting right now, and there were three names that stood out as guys that are kind of dead weight on this roster. I'll tell you, if I'd done that in previous years, I'm coming up with a lot more than three, so that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. That's I'm constantly asked by people, how did Mike McIntyre do this? And it was, number one, stopping Retention. that revolving door. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and so yeah, and I wrote a piece about that, I think it was last year, um, talking about that being that kind of the unsung hero of the recruiting process, it's tough to tough to have talented guys when they're all leaving campus. Uh, so I mean, he's done a really nice job with that so far, and if that continues, you'll have. I mean, you can see the difference between a somewhat talented sophomore and a somewhat talented senior. They they, they know what they're doing out there. They're just so much more productive when you can get a guy into a program for four or five years. He wants to know about kind of positions. Uh, I mentioned they're going to take one more prep corner. D-line at this point. Give me all ten D-line guys. <laughs> the biggest thing there would be if they could somehow find a, a J.C. nose tackle to, to bridge yeah. the gap between Tupo and a, and a Tuilama, Tuilama mm-hmm. or, or you know whoever else, the, Damian Daniels potentially type of guy. Ralphie's running wants to know who would win in an arm wrestling competition between us, Tyler. 
Uh, we def had definitely Adam because he works out. So that's a simple <laughs> answer for me. This what's funny is we also got the question about who would win in a cage match. Yeah, that one. I mean, like I give myself more of a chance in a cage match just because okay. I'm huge. But arm wrestling, I have no shot. I don't work. Out. I actually, I actually, me. I actually go the other way. I think you get me in the arm wrestling, but in the cage match, I'm going to use that stamina to my advantage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to run circles around you that and, would help and jump sure. on your back and do do all that kind of crazy stuff. In terms of sheer strength, I think you would get me in the arm wrestling, though. So probably I not. I mean, you've lifted a, lifted a weight more than <laughs> once in the past ten years, so definitely not a strong guy. Just a naturally big guy. All right, Tyler, let's do the updated Pac-12 Power Rankings. What you got for us? All right. Got to pull it out. Backwards. Oregon is not in the 12th spot today. So shout out to Oregon. Congrats on the W. Um, Arizona, number 12. I think the, the only defeated team in the conference at this point, if I remember correctly. Uh, they're not very good. So let's beat them because I don't really want to have that feeling in my head. 11 is Cal. Um... Honestly, they've probably been a little bit better than I expected this year. But still, overall, not an impressive squad. And I don't like them. So, number 11. Arizona State, number 10. Uh, beat Cal, but have been largely terrible in the past few weeks here. Got smoked by Oregon. Uh, so, they're definitely, definitely falling. Uh, a lot of injury issues, though, I think is really their main issue more than anything else right now. Uh, Oregon State, number nine, actually have been really impressive to me. Been competitive in the majority of their games. I'm really, you know, happy for that program. I always kind of had a soft spot for them for whatever reason. Um, and I think they're kind of on the same path as us. I think in a few years they could be back up there competing in the league. Uh, I like what they're doing up there, definitely. Um, eight, Oregon, probably high, but I couldn't really find a space to put them any lower. Solid game last week. Um, I think they'd probably be favored over any of the teams below on the list, neutral neutral field at this point. Uh, UCLA, number seven, uh, three and five, just real mystery squad. Uh, we'll see what we get from them this week. A lot of talent, but they always seem to underachieve. Stanford, six, um, a pretty good number six, I guess, at this point. Uh, kind of seeing a big separation between the top half and the bottom half of the league for me at this point uh, in the season. Um Really liked what they did at Arizona. Christian McCaffrey finally gets his first road touchdown of his career. One of the crazier stats I've ever heard. Uh, Washington State, number five. Love them. I mean, they played really well. Undefeated in conference play at this point, but I think they would be underdogs against any of the four teams ahead of them. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Utah, number four. Honestly, probably the most impressed with them I have been this entire season in that loss. So they could be a little bit higher. Uh, but the other teams right now are just really hot, so I have them higher. But Utah, impressive in defeat last week. I took more away from that game of Utah being more legit than I did anything yeah. negative towards Washington. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, Utah, I mean, watching them play, they're just so uninspiring to me. But at the end of the day, you have to watch what they've done throughout the season. They're always in the game. And that's usually the sign of a good team. So, got to start giving them a little bit more credit. They're, they're a really good quarterback away from being yeah. an, an elite-type team. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Um, I have USC number three, despite losing at Utah. I think that was a game, again, that they blew. Ton of talent. They seem to have really figured it out. Uh, I think that Washington game could be really fun to watch uh, if they show up. So, we'll see how that works out. I have us number two. Um, the Buffs are cruising at this point. Pac-12 South Division leaders. I think they would be favored neutral. 
over anybody in the league at this point, despite Wash or uh, except for Washington, and obviously Washington holding down the number one spot still. All right, we had some odds and ends we were going to get into, talk some men's basketball, but I've actually got to run. I got to get up to CU's Tuesday press luncheon here. Real quick before we sign off, though, Tyler, you did a really good schedule piece, uh, getting everybody ready for uh, the opponents on the men's basketball slate this season. Tease that a little bit for us. Uh, basically, it's um, if you've ever read my stuff in the past, it's very similar. I like to break down the schedule a little bit differently than most people do. Uh, break it down into a, what I call groupings, uh, just kind of important stretches throughout the season to keep an eye on. I think it's kind of a fun way to look at it uh, in terms of what's important, what to, you know, timing of the games, that kind of stuff. Um, just a little bit of a different approach to the schedule as a part of an overall comprehensive preseason preview. I actually have the roster piece ready for you as well, so I'll send that to awesome. you as soon as we're done. I, I thoroughly enjoy your preseason stuff. If you're not checking it out, you're really missing out. Well, we are going to talk more about the UCLA game. We kind of glossed over that a little bit at the beginning on our video preview, so make sure you check that out. It should be a fun night out at Folsom Field on Thursday night.